Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And this is it. We have reached the end of season 44 with the finale airing last night. We have a new winner. It is not Carolyn. It's Jam Jam. And I'm okay with that. Evan, how are you feeling after the finale of 44? Well, I am like hype to get on the mic today. I have like <laughs> so many notes and like I literally went to bed last night parsing my brain to think like what of my many thoughts are worth bringing up today on the pod, which is to say like there's just so much to talk about. There's what happened, there's what didn't happen, there's the party last night, there's mm-hmm. Paramount slash CBS's lack of support for this show, um, there's the season 45 intro that we got, there's the reunion. I mean, there's so many things that we need to digest today. So um, in rare form, I have taken some diligent notes, um, but how I'm feeling is just like, that was an incredible finale. Like the energy was there um, from the outset and even things that we sometimes complain about being formulaic, for instance, the fire making challenge proved that there's, you know, there is some room for variety within the formulaic. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like the most exciting thing, but it's the most exciting thing that can come from the container as it exists. Yeah, I agree. I do think that the finale was actually quite satisfying. I have to say I was spoiled on the finale. I am overseas. I couldn't watch it live. It was at 2 a.m. And even if I could watch it live, uh, it's not airing in Denmark, um, which is a shocker. But so I had to wait until I woke up. And of course, in classic style, I wake up and immediately open Twitter not remembering that there was a Survivor finale. First tweet I see is Pop Crave announcing Jam Jam as the new winner of Survivor, which like, why is Pop Crave on the Survivor beat? And they also have this, they're doing these exit interviews with the cast, which seems so random. I don't know if you gazed at the comments below Pop Crave's tweet, but there are so many of them just being like, why is this on this account? Um, I don't think the Survivor audience and the Pop Crave audience quite Venn diagram the way that Pop Crave might hope. Um, without saying too much about my knowledge of the inner workings of Pop Crave and Pop Crave like <laughs> accounts, I will say that I understand why they are posting this, and I am confused as to why Paramount Plus views this as the right allocation of resources. And I'll leave it at that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, considering that famously CBS uh, is notorious to work with in terms of getting exit interviews, as we have uh, experienced on multiple occasions. And we are a Survivor podcast that is, we're not the biggest Survivor podcast, but we're listened to. And we have a niche, uh, which is the gay survivor fan, um, CPS doesn't uh, value that, I guess, quite as much as a Popgrave. But Popgrave has a big platform. They do, but I think uh, 
to have a big platform is not necessarily like it's all about how you wield said platform and mm-hmm. if your if your audience isn't wanting what you're putting down it's kind of like reminds me of like when thirst trap accounts uh, in May 2020 started posting like BLM related content, um, mm-hmm. sometimes with the best of intentions, but it's sort of like this is not what people come to your account for. So, as well intended as you may be, there's just sort of some dissonance between what people come to expect and when you sort of turn to like putting forth, you know, messages about, um, you know, society. Um, yeah. Let's talk though briefly about spoilers because I went rogue. Um, this morning around like, I think like 11 a.m. Because uh-huh. I got some pretty good shots of Jam Jam last night because I was at the finale party, which we'll get into. But um, I waited. I thought I had waited. Um, yeah. But we have a litany of comments uh, from people being like, and, and uh, some, a lot of them very kind, um, but just being like, hey, like, I it's not available on Paramount Plus until 24 hours later in certain countries or for whatever reason I I had not had the opportunity to watch it yet and you spoiled it for me. This is such an interesting conversation. It comes up a lot with Drag Race. I know it came up with White Lotus for me with my memes and things. Um and I want to like it's it's a difficult conversation and not difficult conversation. It's a difficult it's hard to know, right? Because in my mind, mm-hmm. I waited until the morning after. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of of the mindset when it comes especially to like the finale of something like this. And again, we're a Survivor podcast. We have like we have to be able to post about the winner. I, I, I think Night Of, I think is too much. Like I saw Brian Scally like an hour after it aired was like, congratulations to Jam Jam on Twitter. That I can understand people being like, wait a minute, dude. I waited until the next morning. I do think at some point we have to sort of say the onus is on people to stay off the internet if they don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, I agree with you because like I say, I got spoiled. I got spoiled by Popcrave. And when I got spoiled, I was like, damn, wish I hadn't been spoiled, but this is on me for opening Twitter mindlessly. And so that was what it was. I accept that. I do think it it becomes really tricky. I I expect it from Twitter because Twitter is a very live response sort of platform. Live tweeting, you know, is a very commonly understood term in mainstream society. And, you know, where you're reacting to something in real time, I think is expected on Twitter. So -hmm. I would especially stay off Twitter. I would be less uh, likely to assume that I'm going to see a spoiler about something on Instagram just be, and that, that's probably just more so the nature of like accounts that I follow, which are more like personal and people I know and stuff like that. Um, I don't follow a lot of pop culture accounts on uh, Instagram, save for Evan Ross Katz. And so, <laughs> and so I don't often consider that I'm going to run into spoilers on Instagram. Having said that, if I were following a Survivor fan account or a Drag Race fan account or a White Lotus, Evan Ross Katz account, I would assume that maybe I would encounter it. And this has gotten a little bit uh, more nuanced now that the algorithms are all changing because they all want to be TikTok. And so they're showing us things that we're not following based on our interests. And so you don't always have the opportunity to mute every account that may spoil things for you. Um, but I mean, there are ways around that, which I think tech savvy people should know, which is to snooze suggested posts. Um, but you know, I understand that people don't want to see a spoiler. I understand that, like, they're going to open an app and possibly see a spoiler they didn't want to see, just like I did this morning. 
Uh, you kind of have to accept that because, you know, we wait until uh, well after it's aired on the West Coast. I understand that response. Like, I think that it needs to air across the country before we start posting about it, save for Twitter. I think the West Coasters need to stay off Twitter. Uh, I do think Twitter is a free-for-all and it should be a free-for-all. Um, but yeah, Instagram, I don't know. It's a tricky conversation. Like we talked about, should we delete that post? Because, you know, people, people had, you know, were legitimately upset that they were spoiled, but also they're following drop your buffs and eh, eh. So two things I would say to that one in the future, what I would do differently is I would mm-hmm. have posted the night, the, the day of the finale saying we will be posting the winner tomorrow morning or whatever. Um, so if you don't want to see mute our account for the next 24 hours, that way it's sort of yeah. like you're preempting people about the fact that mm-hmm. we're going to post it. But the other thing I would say too, is that jam jam winning was the least important part of the finale. Like that it's like yeah. the least <laughs> consequential thing to discuss today, in my opinion. So again, this goes back to something we've talked about at length, which is just sort of like, these people that watch these shows that think that it's just all about like that there is even a spoiler to me sometimes, cause I'll get spoiled about drag race quite a lot. It's almost like a relief sometimes. Cause then I can watch the edit knowing what's going to happen. And then I can sort of see how the edit is pieced together to put forth the narrative that I know we're going to come to. I just mm-hmm. think that to act as though the only reason we watch these shows is ultimately to find out, you know, who is going to die on the White Lotus or or who is going to win Survivor is sort of, uh, to me, that's not why I watch these shows. Um, as we yeah. well know, of the three players that remained in the final three, Jam Jam is the least popular if you're strictly going off of social media following. And so, yeah people really care about Carolyn and Carson. They didn't win, but we're going to be talking about them today. And I'm sure we're going to be talking about them well into the future. So I just think that this weight around like the winner is sort of, yes, we should speak about the winner. They won a million dollars. They won survivor. That's huge. Um, but I don't think that's why we don't sit here and podcast. We're not one of those podcasts. That's like running the numbers of like, Oh, they won this amount of challenges and they voted this way correctly all the time. Those podcasts and, and those accounts exist. We're not that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know, we've sort of dealt with this question, but I'm really interested to hear about this party because Evan, you don't often attend a survivor watch party and I, I feel, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you've been hesitant to step your feet into that arena. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And so here you are going to this star-studded Survivor 44 uh, finale party that had a lot of alumni at, in attendance. It had a lot of Survivor 44 cast members in attendance. You were doing some hard-hitting on-the-ground journalism, which everybody can go and see at Drop Your Buffs on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram. And like, I need to hear a little bit more details from from the party. Well, I first want to shout out Carla, who was the one who invited me and graciously like snuck me in. Because let me just tell you, it was quite a scene. And I'm talking hundreds of people. Um, with all due respect to the organizers, we need to find venues with uh, circulation because uh, the temperature <laughs> was insanity. Um, and Carson, with all due this- respect to the organizers, can I ask? Uh, because every party I've ever gone to, we need to find venues with sound. 
no, Did that you hear was the that, show? no, yeah, I could hear the show, and there were multiple, oh. uh, there were multiple uh, televisions throughout in different areas of the Amazing. space. No, the uh, watchability wise, I, I am giving it a, a thumbs up. Okay. Um, so uh, yes, it was. I uh, yes, I have been very hesitant. Um, and this isn't specific necessarily to Survivor. I'm just not a watch party person because, like, I am like incredibly focused uh, in general when I watch. Right. Often because like the there's a part of my brain now for better or for worse that like watches with like thinking in like my meme brain and that requires like a great amount of concentration and I'm mm-hmm. sort of always thinking like oh well like if we were to like extract that line do I want to use the frame that it was actually spoken in or do I want to find a better shot of the person like that's just how my brain works. And then I just don't really like all of the talk that happens. I know like actually credit to uh, Wendell and Bryce who like kind of like don't like keep the it very much about the show whereas like drag race viewings it's like the queens get on the mic but in during the commercial breaks and sometimes they like pause the episode to like talk and you're just like girlies so um yeah that's just like my hesitation and then also just like yeah big crowds of like really excited people generally like overwhelm me you're not gonna find me at the Eros tour um <laughs> Top level, and then you know we'll get to the show. But I just did want to say I I sort of had it's my it was my first time meeting a lot of Survivor players. Like I had never mm-hmm. met Ricard in person until yesterday. Yeah. Um, I had never met Eliza in person until yesterday. I hadn't met Brian. Uh, I actually had met Andrea, Josh Canfield, and Xander because we had brunch together a while ago. So those are like the three alumni that I knew. But yeah, it was just so many people in the room who I never met. Was I craving old school alumni? You bet. Was I satiated? I was not. Um, But my top level feeling is just that like, there was something just odd about the energy of like these people. And I was thinking like, is it me? Is it, what, what, what was that going on? And then it occurred to me where it's like, most of my interactions are with actors or musicians or entertainers who either go through media training or learn sort of on the go of like sort of how to interact with media, fans, just like be in these circumstances. And these are real people. So like their um their social skills are not sort of baked into to like their job in the way that like most of my, when I go to like these parties and everything, they can be oddly formal because it's just sort of a bunch of people who are trained on like how to do small talk, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not the yeah. case with these people. So at first I was like, I'm just being honest. I was like, why is everyone so like awkward? Um, but then I came to find of like kind of kind of find it cute because I was like, they're awkward because they're just real people. Like these aren't mm-hmm. they're not famous people. They're not um this they're isn't not their job. trained. Right. So in that sense, I actually kind of found it a little bit charming, but I just had so many like odd encounters, <laughs> which like <laughs> we can maybe get into the, on the Patreon at some point. But like just odd encounters with people where I was just like, this is just like, just am I weird? Are they weird? Is this weird? And and what I came away from it just thinking was like, yeah, it's like these are just real people who in are in this like really strange moment where they're like, they're in a space where they're like David Bowie for the night. Um, yeah. And then also you have some of them, and this is like the really interesting part, who like, wow. Without naming names, there was this one unexpected alumni that showed up 
And they were angling to like be near Carolyn and be like in the thick of the photos and like really making sure that they were like in the mix. And this is a very random out of nowhere alumni. Well, and so it was, well you can, we can't do this. Can Ooh. I say? Like, well, is it bad? Is it bad? Um, I didn't love it. <laughs> well, you didn't love that they wanted to be. I'll say in this Carolyn's so that I'm circle. It just felt opportunistic versus like I'm coming and hanging out with my friends because it's like, where have you been? I'll just what say season? what season can you? They are on. Season? I can. They are <laughs> on uh, San Juan del Sur. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um. So yes, anyway, but so it was just interesting. And also just like, who was like, like for instance, you have cast, mem- cast members like Claire who are, who are like living their best life. Franny and Matt living their best life. And then you have like Chrissy, for instance, who's like just sort of like in the background. Or like I had to, I, I learned after the fact, I was like, who is this man who's at the table? And he was Sorry, Abraham. Sorry, Chrissy who? Chrissy, Chrissy from Hoffbeck? the season. Yeah. Oh my God. I love Chrissy Hoffback. I know you do. Um, <laughs> and so she was there. and uh, But you just had cer- certain people that were like in the mix and others that were sort of like falling back. Some people that like very much like wanted to party. Shout out to Xander. Um, and others who were just sort of like shy, which is, you know, all are welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is that the person that I didn't recognize was Abraham or, from season 41, who I had to look Oh, yeah. To I've met Abraham a thousand times. Yeah. There were just a lot of early boots from like 40, 41, excuse me, from 41, 42 that I was like, yeah. oh, her. Um, right. Like for instance, Janine, I couldn't yes. place her face, but I knew I knew her. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it occurred to me. So anyway, I would say overall, like I had a good time. It's definitely not for me, but I will say one of my mm. takeaways for our season 45 premiere party, Get Ready. Um, I'm hoping we can do something that's a little bit more seated and a little bit more of like a screening than a party. Okay. Mm, that's we can have an after party. We can definitely have an after party. I just think that when it comes to like watching a show, I think I I believe Know It Alls does this at their things because they do like a yes, talk back afterwards. They do. Yeah, I think we I, that f- for me feels like a better format. And then, sorry, I know I'm going long. Last thing I'll just say real quick though is it's like that screening was probably. 90 to 95 percent seasons 41 plus mm-hmm. and i'm just like where are the old school players like mm-hmm. i was part of me i was so hoping courtney was going to be there last night like i would have freaked the you should have asked her out i know but like and i uh, no, i mean i get it like the new players they're excited like have your yeah. moment i get it um but i'm just like there are 40 seasons before that of alumni, many of whom I'm sure live in the New York area, where are they? Yeah. And then, sorry, can I say one more thing? No, by all means. This is no, our no, podcast. We no, make No, I know, rules. but I like the back and forth. But, um, okay, quick, 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 quick. Yeah. What the fuck, Paramount Plus slash CBS? I cannot believe that they do not organize an event. When RuPaul's Drag Race does their finales, it is a a formal event in which they gather all of the finalists, they present the check to the winner, the winner makes a speech, they invite media there, and you know key figures who, who film it, they, they make it a whole to-do. 
This is a big deal. It's the crowning of your winner. And the fact that we had our top six all in a room together, or maybe even top eight, I forget. I, there was a lot of them there. But that mm-hmm. was because Bryce and Wenzel, and, and good for them, organized this event. Bryce and Wenzel even made a check, like one of those big fake checks and like presented mm-hmm. it to Jam Jam. And it's like, why are there not cameras here from CBS Literally. Paramount Plus generating content, doing an after show? You got all of them in the room together watching it live. That energy With is- With a ton of alumni who could yes. weigh in and you could talk oh to them and say, who's your God. favorite? Oh, that used to be a called a reunion show. <laughs> yes, and it's like you could do it right then and there on the fly for very cheap. It just was like so strange to me that this event, which no doubt, and, and honestly, good for Bryce and Wendell, like honestly, but like I just can't, and it was so packed yesterday. I, they could barely even fit everyone. I'm like, why do, does the network not see this? And then the fact that like, Jam Jam is not booked to go on any morning shows or anything. It's like, you can't get him on like CBS this morning or like there have got to be more opportunities for these people. He just won Survivor. Like do something with this moment. He won a Give, million dollars. He won a million like, dollars. Is, that, that is news in and of itself. And, it and it's on crazy that on like- your network. Right. And then I see this tweet from Carson being like, oh, uh, me and Carolyn and Jam Jam were all in a flight together for 11 hours. By the way, where were they flying that it was an 11-hour flight? I've got questions about that. But anyway, it's like, why are they on a flight the next morning? They should be doing press the next morning. They're no, no, all no, 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 no. T- Carson, Car- Carson's tweet was about the flight back from Fiji. Oh, shit. Okay, so that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Classic me. Okay, nonetheless, nonetheless, my point still stands. <laughs> I just feel like you have all of them together. I have a feeling that I don't know this for a fact. I have a feeling a lot of them paid for their own flights and hotels to be there. It's just such a bummer that CBS slash Paramount Plus doesn't care about this show more and its alumni. And that, I mean, again, credit to Wendell Bryce, credit to people like Rob Sestranino who have sort of corralled the fandom and actually made something of this. But what a shame that CBS Paramount Plus, I just think about like Drag Race has... um, the pit stop and what you pack in and all of this ancillary content, um, Tudor boot with Raja. Like there's so many, they've built out this cottage industry from the show. Survivor has the fan base, but it just does not have the support of its own network. And it's a shame. And yeah. brand. I'll, I'll say that because I went to the cast organized cast paid for survivor 41 finale party in Chicago Uh, That was the very first Survivor season that did not have a CBS-hosted reunion after-party show. And I feel like the statute of limitations is up on this. They asked CBS, they said, we are all getting together. Would you contribute something to the bill? And CBS said, nope. Nothing. On that note, I also <laughs> asked someone last night, I said, uh, I was like, wow, the season 44 cast really seems like they're on social a lot more and like engaging with the show. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the assets that they share um, are not provided by the network. They are like, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see weird logos in the bottom the and whatnot. Weird, yeah. And apparently, allegedly, uh, the cast all got together and said, if we all do this together and just sort of do this, you know, we're saying that we're just going to engage with the fandom and, and be a part of this uh, and ignore the whatever the mandate is. I don't I don't know the legality mm-hmm. of it. The, what are they going to do about it? And so they did. And good for them. I hope this becomes a trend moving forward. 
but we we talk about this. But the fact that like CBS A <laughs> won't pay for things like a watch party, and then on top of that, tries to like mute the cast when it comes to speaking about this show or engaging with the fandom it's weirdo behavior and i just wish so out of touch so out of touch and but then the thing is like sean it's like they're not when it comes to drag race like it's not entirely the network again i don't know how much part of me has to believe that survivor is very much more in the cbs fold than the paramount plus fold i don't Mm. know how the staff i i I don't know the intricacies of the network but like drag race is not like this like when i email my contact at drag race and ask to have the winner uh on shut up evan the question that they respond with is okay what day works for you totally when Carla emails the CB, the Survivor press team and says, I want to do Drop Your Buffs, here's their copy, and they say, um, they need to ask us. And then we ask them and they say, okay, we'll get in touch with you in the new year, which is weeks away from the finale. And I say, okay, great, looking forward to hear from you. And they never reach back out. I'm not going to chase these people down. I'm right. not that desperate. We are giving you the platform to promote your show. Like... What What is your job exactly? And you know what? It makes me think about the fact that we got this gorgeous Traders reunion. Uh, you know, They bring in Andy Cohen to host. They're really taking the show quite seriously. And that's a brand new show. And they with have, way less viewers than with Survivor. With way less viewers and no IP really. It's just wild to me that it's like, I first of all, I think that they should put money behind it. But if they're not yeah. going to be putting a big amount of money behind it, at least figure out some way to do it on a budget, which can easily be done. Again, you have all of the cast in a room together. I just was sitting there like taking these photos last night, like getting content like the Josh Reed reunion moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, my God, like people would care about this unironically. Absolutely. And they did. Hello? They did. I okay. really instigated uh, that moment. Yeah. I know. Okay, so look, we're 26 minutes into this podcast that's recapping the finale and we haven't talked about it. So let's talk about the finale because that's what people came for. And then we'll come back. I want to talk about Josh and Reed, especially oh and my anything God. else that you have okay. from Sorry. the okay. finale watch party. Okay, well, I agree. Go ahead. No, 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 no. We're moving on. My last thing I just want to say, um, Reed is so attractive in person. Uh, he's hot. Then, I, he's I hot. believe you. I think this I think- rumor has been started like by you – or somebody that I don't think Reed is hot. Reed is hot. Reed's hot. <laughs> I completely agree. All right. With that said, let's move on to our recap. <laughs> okay. Yes. Because we have a recap to do of the finale. And I always feel a little strange about recapping the finale because it's like, Jam Jam won. How do we feel? Carolyn didn't win. How do we feel? It's a little like, I find it hard because part of my favorite part of recapping is the speculative nature of what's going to happen next. Why are we being shown what we're being shown? And now all of those questions are answered. It's very like, no, I was going to say it's like discussing Lost after it was over, but actually we were left with more questions with that show. But where, you know, with Survivor, we kind of have like this winner. So let's start there. How do you feel about Jam Jam as the winner of Survivor 44? Um, I would, to be honest, I probably feel a little less enthused than what I'm seeing as like the general excitement online. Um, I think it's, a it's, <laughs> um, you go first. 
Sorry. Yeah, look, I, I think I know what you're saying because this was so Carolyn's season and we talked so much about how great it would be for the show if Carolyn won. And I think there was sort of like two possibilities. Like I, I my mind was thinking in a, a very like binary sort of way where it's like Carolyn wins or Lauren wins. You know what I mean? Like it's either a really, really satisfying finale or it's a really dissatisfying finale uh, in the sen- in the way that like 43 was um, with Gabler's win, who I believe you also saw last night, but let's get back to that later. Uh, <laughs> and so having this sort of in between, and it's like much more on the spectrum, it's much more towards the Carolyn end of the spectrum because I think Jam Jam is a deserving winner. I think that the edit made his game very clear. It was clear that he, why he won. It wasn't clear that he was going to win. And so I appreciated that from the storytelling arc of the season and thinking about his winner edit more broadly speaking. And so, yeah, I think he's a satisfying winner. He did a, a good final tribal council. I don't think it was like the best we've ever seen. I don't think it was like even sort of like in the best that we've ever seen, but he did clearly better, at least in the edit, than Carolyn or Heidi. And so I thought he he's a deserving winner. It's just a little bit of a letdown because we were so, so hyped on Carolyn potentially winning. And I feel like the jury said it best when uh, they're getting ready to go to final tribal council, just that so many people said, we've never seen someone play a game like Carolyn and win. Wouldn't this be incredible? And I just found it a little disappointing, not only that she didn't win, but that she got zero votes, uh, which which I'm left really scratching my head about. And I'm curious to hear from jurors about why they voted for Jam Jam over Carolyn, because I think that there was a lot of optimism that we were going to crown somebody who played a really, really unique game. I think Jam Jam played a really strong game and he explained why it was a strong game and why it was deserving of a vote to win. Uh, but I also think that there was an opportunity to, to, to do something really interesting here. And that's not to say that Jam Jam is not an interesting winner. I think he's a very interesting winner. Um, he's our first gay winner uh, since Todd Herzog. He is our first... A Puerto Rican gay winner. He's our first Puerto Rican male winner, as he said. Um, and he was a really good, fun character to watch. And so, you know, for all those reasons, it's satisfying. It's just not Carolyn. That's how I'm feeling. Yeah, I guess I just have trouble understanding the great game that Jam Jam played. I'm someone that like, being on the right side of votes is like very inconsequential to me. I think you can be on the wrong side of the vote for every single vote and win the game. Like it's just, did you make it through? I think he did more than be on the right side of the vote. I guess. uh, Okay. So I think what he did really well at the final tribal council and in my eyes, why he won, although I think there was more to it. I think that, I think that he had stronger relationships with the jury members than maybe I understood throughout the season. Uh-huh. And, and I can sort of see looking back on, um, but that, that it was a little bit of a surprise to me, the, the landslide with which he won. Yeah. But I think what he did well was explain he was the one who was able to give voice to the Tika three strategy of making the larger tribes, the tribes who came in with more numbers at the merge, feel like they were running the show when, in fact, the Tika three were running the show. And I think he did that really expertly. And when Heidi would talk about Soka's strategy, you know, and whether it's 100% true or not, Jam Jam did a really good job of sort of discrediting every single thing Heidi said by saying, well, 
that may be what you think was happening, but what was actually happening was the three of us were making this decision. Mm -hmm. And so him being able to give voice to that, although Carolyn was just as much a part of those moves, I think he gave voice to that a little bit better. And so I think there was more to his game and I think he expressed it better, but it could have been Carolyn's game to take too. I just think she underperformed. Yeah, I guess when I think of... uh what I crave from my winners and part of why I think Marianne was such a satisfying winner was having that big moment of like that incredible final tribal to really clinch the win. And I just Mm -hmm. feel like there's not really any particular moment. Like if you were to make a, um, one of those like YouTube videos of like jam jams, iconic survivor moments, they would all be mostly either talking heads or Mm -hmm. some of his fun moments with Carolyn. None of them would really be strategic or challenge-related or tribal moments. Um, maybe there are some that I'm just not thinking of, but I feel like what we love about Jam Jam, when I say we, I sort of mean the fandom, I think it's like Jam Jam the person, not Jam Jam mm-hmm. the survivor player. And there's nothing wrong with that, mind you. Like, I'm very happy to have, I actually, like, more of that, please. But when we're talking about great winners, I feel like Carolyn had such a great story that is both great character and like overcoming in some ways like her own self-imposed um, uh, shortcomings. Um, yeah. That would have made her such a fun winner to have. Um, so again, I'm not, I, I think you said it just now and I, I totally agree, which is like, I think Jam Jam is a very satisfying winner to season 44. I, and I think that where, Carolyn went wrong. Like I was saying, it's like we saw in the show that people didn't wake up to the fact that Carolyn was playing a game until after she played that idol for Carson. And I think it was a little too little too late for her. And what that says to me is that the jury, all of those people she was playing with and voting out, didn't recognize her game. And if she's not able to then come to tribal council and say, here's everything you didn't recognize uh, in like in the way that Jam Jam said, sort of like anybody who writes my name down is going to go home. Right. People remember that. He said that to people. And then that happened. And so Carolyn hadn't been planting those seeds to convince the jury members and would be jury members that she was a formidable competitor and strategist. And so I like I think that's where the disconnect is, where where we saw something in Carolyn because of her confessionals. Um, But Jam Jam was giving what he was giving in the confessionals also at camp to other people. And he had a way and it was something about the personality and the delivery that people were able to kind of like laugh it off, but then also see it in retrospect as something more. And I think that's maybe when when Carolyn comes back for her second chance, if she's even given the opportunity to like make it far in the game, I think people are going to be more aware of the game that she's playing and actually see her through that lens throughout the game instead of having to catch up on it like in the last couple days and at Final Tribal Council. Yeah, and I think not for nothing... Jam Jam was at an advantage going into that tribal, just being that Heidi didn't have a lot of game to really like bring into the conversation. And when it came to him versus Carolyn, I feel like he did a better job of articulating their games were so similar. And I think he ultimately edged her out when it came to presenting that game in the final tribal mm-hmm. that 
as wonder as like great as a, of a final three as they all were, Jam Jam just came in, I think, with an advantage. It wasn't sort of like neck and neck, really, as much as I think it maybe seemed. Can we talk about Pittsburgh Heidi? Because, hey, your winner pick, she came in second place. Uh, thanks to one vote by Danny, which was uh, the the one vote that wasn't for Jam Jam in that final tribal. And I got to ask about Heidi because I like I didn't think that her final tribal was super strong. Um, uh, clearly, neither did the jury. But this choice to go to fire, to put herself into fire after winning that final immunity challenge, put herself up against Carson, which was clearly the best read uh, that that she had there. And, and she was right about um, that Carson would be the easiest to beat in fire. Um, but not only does she beat him, she sets a record, according to Jeff, for fastest uh, fire in Survivor history at the final four fire making challenge, which granted is a very short history because that is a, quite a new component of the game. Um, was she relying too heavily on that win as like, if I do this, then then they'll have to vote for me to win. I mean, not relying too heavily because it's she had to do it. I think the issue with Heidi was the fact that she knew that the fact that she knew that that was what it was going to come to. It's like Heidi just didn't play this game in the first two thirds. I think if it was like around day in the middle of the game, like your day 12, 13, 14 now, and say you don't have any big moves in you and your social game is kind of like mid, I would really be conscious of that in terms of like really trying to plot to make some big moves. And I guess I was always surprised with Jamie Lauren and Holly, like what, you know, had Holly, Heidi, sorry, had Heidi not won like that challenge, like what was her thought process when I'm talking about like the week leading up to that final tribal in her mind, how was she winning the game? And same thing with Lauren. I think Lauren's bigger argument would be those two challenge wins, but I think just leaning on challenge wins is not enough. And then same thing with Jamie. Like, I just think that as you're approaching the back half of the game, you really have to be Either winning challenges, which again, Lauren did, uh, making big moves or really plotting out social relationships. And if you don't have any of that, I just felt like I didn't know what Heidi was going to bring. Even when they were doing that package at the end, when they have all of the jurors talk about the final threes game, it was like as they were, because I think they started with Jam Jam. And I remember sitting there thinking, what are they going to say about Heidi? (laughs) Like they can talk about the fire and they can, you know, as they did, but there just was so little to say of Heidi's game. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like what wasn't really, really well fleshed out from Heidi's point of view is then became very clear in final tribal council is that she had a very different perspective of her game than what the reality was. Um, And that, and what I mean is that, that going back to that thing that Jam Jam kept doing during Final Tribal Council, which is like, no, 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 you, you thought you were making all these moves with Soka because you were in the majority post-merge, but that wasn't what was actually happening. Like, yeah, you were making those moves, but it was Tika who was deciding that that was actually going to happen. And so, like, it was just taking a little bit of her agency away in the game. And I feel like, I don't know how you get out of that. I don't know that she could have gotten out of that. At the end of the day, it was like she was outplayed. 
Do you want to talk about Lauren for a moment? Because Lauren was the first to go here. Uh, there was a little fake out that she may have had a hidden immunity idol. And obviously she did not. And to that point, there was also no uh, advantage at the new island. This was the first new era season that didn't have the scavenger hunt uh, advantage for uh, uh, to, to get an advantage in, in the next immunity challenge. And I was very glad to see that that gone. I think that became very formulaic and then it became predictable who would win that challenge. Um, and so... I was glad to see that gone. It was interesting to see that there was a hidden immunity idol and that it came to nothing, kind of. Uh, but uh, any thoughts on Lauren? Because you posted this video of Lauren getting a huge standing ovation at the party. I gotta say, like, there's... It was just really lovely last night. I got the sense that both Heidi and Lauren were surprised by the response to them. Even thinking about it, like the whole time you had Carolyn, Carson, and Jam Jam sitting up at the very, very front, as you saw in my video, Lauren was in the way back. She wasn't interacting with any of the cast. And then Heidi, for a good portion, I'll actually post this at some point, Heidi was like perched up on like a beam, like completely by herself <laughs> for the first half the episode. And I actually she have might this, as well have been in Pittsburgh. She might as well have been in Pittsburgh. I have this great video of her. But anyway, this to say that I got the sense that they came in knowing what was happening on the show and thinking, oh, damn, I'm going to have to like relive this moment of like me losing. And I think I got the sense they were both surprised by how much everyone was like, you lost and we love you. And so that right. was really great. Also, shout out to Carolyn, Heidi, and Lauren's outfits at the finale party. Hopefully we can find images of them. All three of them were serving. Also shout out to Lauren's final tribal outfit, which was also serving. We'll talk about Danny Sarong at some point. Um, I guess with Lauren, I would say, uh, which we did get a mention that she is a single mom. They shouted that out. We got her mentioning that in the final episode, which yeah. is good to confirm because, you know, just you want to make sure you don't want to yeah. speculate. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to make sure you have it solidified. Mm -hmm. And we got it. I'll, pro I'll probably, <laughs> I've got it. I'll probably make a meme of that at some point. But, um, I thought uh, Lauren did the best she could, right? Like she proved to be really strong in the challenges. I think that, the only thing that I wish that we had seen from Lauren was more of an effort to break up Tika. Um, and yeah. perhaps that never would have worked. Um, but I think I would be curious to hear from Lauren if she felt that she was under edited or, or what she sort of felt like her story would have been to present at final tribal, because obviously she would have mm. used those two wins. Um, this is such Lauren to me is like such a reminder of like just that 26 day game and how condensed it is and how you don't have as much time to form new relationships post merge. Um, and those people that you're in from the very beginning, uh, because of the condensed time, those bonds can really, as we saw with these three, you kind of can be in it to win it with them and kind of just, if you, if you have them around at the end, you can kind of cruise through. Yeah, I, I have to say, I thought it was strange when it comes to Lauren's game that, you know, they gave her this like big send off at her uh, at her tribal council that she went home at. And I, I just found it odd because the, the conversation was about how she hadn't tried to talk to anybody. She hadn't tried to work with Carson. We did see that she talked to Carolyn about voting Carson out. But like, was that ever going to 
be enough. Uh, and then Carson says, well, she never even talked to me. And then that raises the expectations that maybe she actually did find the hidden immunity idol. And then that she didn't was, was just confusing. It was like, well, it, it doesn't seem like you tried everything you could have tried in the position that you were in, right. uh, which you would want, you would imagine that somebody is scrambling as hard as they can at that point. Right. It's like, what was, what, again, like, what was Lauren's thought process around her endgame? How did Lauren think that she was going to clinch this victory? Yeah. Yeah. Also, with regards to that immunity challenge um, from that round, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but uh, where Carson wins this immunity challenge and he gets to go to the sanctuary and he only gets to bring one person, which I loved that he was only able to bring one and he chooses Jam Jam, which again, sort of like it's rife to create this rift between the Tika three, which doesn't actually happen. Um, and, and we get a lot of content about it. We get, you know, Carolyn considering, should I be voting off Carson? Um, Carson, you know, being asked by Jam Jam to vote off Carolyn again. Uh, but my big question from this is actually about the sanctuary itself, where uh, once again, we have an interesting combination of foods. And I just want to get your take on the food because Jeff says you're going to get spaghetti with meat sauce, carrot cake or chocolate cake, which like I don't think necessarily any of those things go together. Um, but I thought that the choice of cake was interesting. And I had to ask whether you would be a carrot cake or chocolate cake. Hmm. I think I'd be a carrot cake. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We yeah. finally agree on something. <laughs> <laughs> it's never chocolate cake. It's so rich, chocolate cake. Yeah, no, no. no. Chocolate like, have a couple bites. I was going to say chocolate cake is good for a bite. Definitely carrot cake. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, like, if we need that final reward challenge because it's like, what's what's really going to happen there? I guess the one thought process is whoever is in the majority, so in this instance, the three that didn't get the reward could potentially all get together. And, you know, there's a world in which I guess best case scenario for me would be that the three of them are like, wait a minute. These two guys are, one of the two of them is definitely going to win. And then Holly and Heidi, Heidi. excuse me, Lauren, <laughs> sorry, Lauren and Heidi, my God. Who is this Holly person that I'm like, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, Holly from- um, Holly Hoffman from Nicaragua. Yeah, Holly Hoffman from Nicaragua. Bring her back. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's a world in which Heidi and Lauren w were to recruit uh, Carolyn, but again, Heidi and Lauren were never really working together, um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, despite like that early indication that they might be. But yes, that would have been the ideal scenario to really flip the script at the end there, which I, I think Carolyn would have considered, but ultimately Carolyn's loyalty was with the three of them. So uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that final reward just didn't serve a great purpose, but in there is a world in which it can, I guess, if there's more variables. I think one thing that this finale lacked, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing, was like there wasn't really any room for a last minute switch up. It seemed pretty like everyone's positioning, and as evidenced by this, the that that final Lauren's vote out, everyone's positioning was very much locked in. Yeah. Well, and I really liked that. Like I've been saying, I really liked how loyal the Tika three are to one another. And of course, they're going to consider things. And of course, the show is going to use that to, you know, create a little bit of dramatic suspense and 
question marks in our head of like, because we're so used to now these hardcore alliances turning on each other before the end and that being a really important, pivotal part of their pitch at final tribal council. And here the Tika 3 just weren't going to do that. And I really, really like that. And if not for the final four fire making, well, I mean, rather... Uh, it didn't matter about fire making. I mean, Heidi won that challenge. So, um, you know, imagining that one of them won it, I could have seen them in the final three. And that would have been a really memorable final tribal council because I think that's a situation where you get three people who basically played the same game. And so you're voting on personality and social game. And I think that's fascinating. And maybe Jam Jam still would have won, but also maybe Carson would have won. That's such the, that's the great question is it's like, and we don't really know because we weren't given enough. I don't know if it's the, the, again, the lack of time or just the edit. I'm not sure, but like, I just don't have a sense of how everyone outside of Carson, Carolyn, and Jam Jam thought about the three of them individually. Were they Mm -hmm. seeing them all as like this big unit or was there sort of certain people that favored certain people's game? Um, And that part I would be very curious to know. Now, here is the thing I am most interested in us discussing. Are you ready? Okay. So, on a recent episode of RHAP, Mike Bloom said, quote, of the Tika 3, quote, one of the best alliances in Survivor history. Then, on, uh, Rob has a podcast, uh, Survivor Know-It-Alls, Rob said, quote, quote, besides Lex, Big Tom, and Ethan, this might be the most iconic trio in Survivor history. And Marianne, who was guest hosting, agreed. So, Sean, are the Tika Three the most iconic trio in Survivor history? No, because the most iconic trio in, and it's nothing against the Tika Three. I really, really love them. I think they're a really great trio, but the most iconic trio in Survivor history is Todd, Courtney, and Amanda in Survivor China. Period. Period. And I don't, so. I'm, I'm not a big fan of superlatives in general, but I just don't like how willy-nilly we get with sort of like the most iconic. In this instance, I'll allow it because like, you aren't giving the correct answer. But I feel like for Mike and Rob, two people who I really respect when it comes to their opinions, to say the Tika are the most iconic in history. The other thing I just want to say about the Tika three, it's not as though the three of them were like, in cahoots and all systematically saying this is who we're gonna vote out. It was basically like they were in it from the beginning and then just were more or less loyal to each other throughout the game. I don't think they were like strategizing as a three so much as evidenced by the fact that several points throughout the game, they were gunning for one another. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I'm going to need some postmortem on this from them because I don't know what to believe of the gunning for each other because, like I said, yeah, they talked about voting for each other, but, you know, the evidence shows they never did, really, right? Like, they voted different ways a couple times. Carolyn was left out of the vote. Jam Jam was left out of the vote. Um, But also, I think what... Well, so so I need to find out where they're at. Were like how much were they talking as a threesome about the strategy? But at the end of the day, what makes this one a little bit uh, trickier for me to um, call the most iconic, uh, besides the fact that you know it, the other one, the the one that I'm naming, has Courtney, 
Todd and Amanda in it, which are, are three of the most iconic players Survivor has ever seen, let alone that they all worked together in the same season. Uh, but having said all that, I just need to know like how this actually worked, right? Because of course you're going to talk about, you're going to talk every scenario through and the cameras are going to pick up on that and use it to whatever end they need it needed to use it because it's not as interesting to just watch them decide who's going to go home every week. You know, we need a little something to go. Have they considered what, like, you know, we as an audience, we're going, Carolyn's like actually doing really well. And nobody's talking about getting rid of her. So yeah, we see they did consider getting rid of her for whatever reason they decided not to. So I, I need a little bit from them on how that all worked and what we saw was really legitimate contemplation of voting for each other and, you know, whether they had a really tight final three deal, et cetera. We didn't really get a lot of that from the uh, season, but the thing that, that I'm not crazy about with them is that they come from a six person tribe, right? So you kind of have to have a, th- a trio. You have to have a trio and you have to have a fourth. And so that's sort of like very circumstantial where I found what I loved about Courtney, Todd, and Amanda coming together is that it sort of happened organically and it was within a bigger alliance. And these three kind of like, they just gelled, their personalities gelled, and it all kind of worked and they played off each other in really fun ways. Not to say that didn't happen with the Tika 3, it's just, it was more iconic, I'm sorry. Also, if we're talking about trios, like, uh, are, are on, we not counting are, wait, Steve and wait, JT oh. and Taj? Sorry. John. <laughs> was that what you were going to say? No, I was going to play a little game with you, but go ahead. Oh, what? Oh, well, that's all I was going to say. I was just going to say, there's another trio that I don't think people talk about very often. Okay, so I have five more iconic than the Tika oh three God. trios written down. Obviously, <laughs> you've now checked two off of my list. So yes, I have. Oh my God, I can't even think of other Hold trios. Hold on, I have Todd, Courtney, and Amanda. I would say they are the most iconic, period. Obviously, uh-huh. I definitely had JT, Steven, and Taj written down without a doubt. I have three others, two of which I think are obvious. One is obscure. Do you want to take any guesses? Like, I, I literally can't think of. One you definitely know. <laughs> uh so they're a trio of, i i what, can we can we talk era season sure um just i just mm. i'm just trying to think of trios like i really have to i find it really tough to come up with a sometimes trio they're because... like a larger alliance but three people really pop within it yeah are we talking like Black Widow Brigade people? Yes, we like are. Like Amanda and Parvati? Yes, we are. Okay. Yes, so that's really tricky because, I know yeah, because they were the... Th- yeah. I get it. I but I think ultimately the reason why I give them trio is because... Um, what's her name? The fourth? Natalie Bolton. Natalie came in at the, <laughs> came in at the end. Like she wasn't... Like the three of them were together from the outset. Yes, yes. So I do think there's legitimacy there. But yes, I can understand how that might not be something that comes to mind as a three because they're more seen yeah. as a four. And then some people might say a five. We wouldn't. Yeah. Um, okay. What about Danielle, Parvati, and Russell in Heroes versus Villains? That's interesting. I, like, that's an iconic trio. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, it's like, did, were Danielle and Russell really strategizing together? It more felt like Parvati was the fulcrum. Yeah. But yeah, you're not but wrong. They, they, they were the tight trio. Yeah. Of, like they were the villains trio. Yeah, 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 and they yeah. pulled in Jerry. I think you can get one of the two left that I have on my list. 
Um, oh, jeez. Do you, what do you? What kind of hint do you want? Uh, air. Like, are we talking? How about gender? Give me that. Okay. Three women. Okay. Well, I would have assumed that doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> it kind of does if you think about uh, it. Did they get to the final three together? Uh, they did. Is it Kim, Sabrina, and Chelsea Cannon? Yep. Uh, well, no, okay. it's Kim, Sabrina, and Chelsea non-canon. But yes. Which, by the way, the non-canon won by a land, by a Jam Jam-style landslide on the last uh, episode post. So I have to hand it to you. You know, it's not often Evan Ross Katz is right on Drop Your Buffs, but here he is. <laughs> Chelsea true. non-canon. Chelsea non-canon. <laughs> I think they are an incredible three. I mean, again, together from the very beginning, maneuvered slyly throughout the game. Obviously, Kim yeah. played the best game there, but like three people that I were very I see that as a broader alliance. Like, I just like, as a trio, it just seems, I don't think of them as a trio. Right, 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 right. Okay, fair. But, but I then, can see, I can see it. I mean, they're at the final three, so hey, that, that is a trio, sure. But I, can under, but I can understand your perspective. My last one is kind of a gag, but do you want, do you <laughs> try to just put it out there? Yeah, put it out there. I've got Kathy, Chet, and Tracy from Micronesia. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. We'll be post. We're gonna do. We'll do a post dedicated to iconic Survivor truth, With iconic, and trios. then we'll put hey, it to a vote. Can, can we, yeah, can, can I ask though? Like, because I, we might be missing some. Mm. And, so like, right let's now, not go really obscure here, but like, I want I want people to tell us. Maybe can we put like a Q and A post on the yeah. story of Drop Your Buffs for iconic totally. trios? Totally. They don't have to be more iconic than the trio, than the Tika three. We don't need to pit women against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just need, we're just looking for iconic trios. Yes. Yes. I'm very much here for that. <laughs> um, okay. There was something else I wanted to touch down on. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea of Carolyn being, this is words that she used and others have used both in the show and on social media about this emotional player thing. Mm-hmm. And, I just kind of wanted to unpack that a bit because I think that we're using that word not incorrectly, but like when you think about so many of the great Survivor players, I mean, even thinking about, let's go back to season one and think about Susan Hawk's speech. That is like an incredibly emotional speech. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I think when we talk about Carolyn, what we're referring to is sort of like, her vulnerability perhaps, or just the fact that she's not afraid to cry, which is absolutely worth talking about and something we definitely love about her. But I think that like a ton of people play this game emotionally. I think that is like part of why people first fell in love with this show was because back in the day of like early reality television, it was like startling to watch people become this emotional over what we perceived as just a game. So I guess Mm -hmm. I just am confused with this idea of like people talking about Carolyn's um, emotional accessibility as being something novel um, when I think it's something that's very, very common both on television and in the world and on Survivor. I'm I'm curious how how you feel about that. Yeah, uh, I think... I think it's interesting to sort of like, I don't think it's accurate to boil down Carolyn's personality to the term emotional. 
Um, and I think that she's a really well-rounded person who's comfortable with herself and comfortable expressing her thoughts and feelings, which I don't think necessarily equate to emotional. And I Mm -hmm. think the term emotional gets sort of like weaponized against, especially women in a lot of, uh, negative ways. And so, so at once I feel like I feel good that Carolyn is sort of like flipping that on its head. Um, I don't feel great that it wasn't rewarded in any way whatsoever. Um, but I think that some of survivors, I mean, I think all of survivors greatest moments have come from emotional gameplay or emotional reactivity to things. And it, it's not just in female characters. And I think that like that's gone unsaid. I think one of the greatest not one of the greatest, but I think, I think a really great, uh, final tribal council speech is Eric in Samoa when he gives a very emotional plea to the jury to vote for Natalie White to win. And he lays out all of the reasons and says, Hey, I'm giving my vote to Natalie and I hope she gets a whole bunch more. And I like, I think that's still like, it's like a punch in the gut. And, and that's somebody who's like willing to be, uh, vulnerable and lay there, I mean, you're not really laying your game on the line uh, when you're a juror at Final Tribal Council, but it's like, I'm laying my credibility on the line to say this thing that's maybe not so popular, um, or this isn't the way that we're really supposed to act at, at a Final Tribal Council, and yet I'm going to act that way. I think that's always really powerful, and I think that that's what, like, that's what I tune into Survivor for. And I think that we've really moved away. Like, I, th- I think the reason that Carolyn is such a breath of fresh air is that she has been that really kind of vulnerable, vulnerable person who says what's on her mind and kind of doesn't have the filter where I feel like a lot of new era people, like, they're very, I don't know, reality TV contestants. They're very Big Brother-esque in the way that they talk to the camera. And I kind of, like, don't believe half of the stuff they say. I believe every word that comes out of Carolyn's mouth. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's so important, not just, like, gameplay aside, I just think it's so important to the TV show uh, and to the audience's investment in characters. I also think I don't even know if I answered your question. I just kind of went on a rant, but... I think the other thing too about Carolyn is just like from experiencing her in person last night at the party, I couldn't take my eyes off of her. She just has a quality about her that has nothing to do with Survivor. That's just, she's an incredibly interesting person. I want to call out, for instance, her comment that she left on our Instagram post. She said, what the fuck? Were y'all there last night? I'm pissed as shit right now. I wanted to meet y'all. Just the wording of that comment alone is like- Pissed as shit. Yeah, like pissed as shit. And I believe she was. Um, Carolyn's just great. I don't think she's like, I, and again, I'm not gonna like give credit to the casting people for putting her on the show. I'm just gonna give credit to her parents for birthing her. Like, I think Carolyn's just great. I'm, and I'm glad, uh, I'm glad the show recognized that. But I think that, um, I think that like, we just need more people like Carolyn, both in the world and on Survivor. Um, But I don't think that it's like the emotional aspects that are worth calling out. I think that that's sort of like, I think what's great about Carolyn is that Carolyn's just Carolyn. I don't think we, I, I don't think it's like extracting the like, I almost think that to like, to examine Caroline and like explain, or Carolyn and to explain Carolyn is to sort of like, 
miss out on the point of Carolyn, which mm-hmm. is that Carolyn's just Carolyn, right? To like sort of prescribe what it is. And that's why I think it pings for me when we everyone's like, we love Carolyn because of her emo because like, she's so emotional. And I'm like, that's not that's an ingredient, sure, but like that's not the Carolyn sauce. The Carolyn sauce is sort of like we can't reveal it. Like it just comes with your meal and then you put it on and then suddenly like it tastes better, right? Well, what, yeah, what's interesting about Carolyn is Carolyn is a really old school type of casting. Yes. And we just don't see people like her. And this is, she is the kind of character that made Survivor what it is, right? Or what it was at one time. And it used to be that we would have multiple Carolyns each season. And, you know, the, the celebration for Carolyn should ping for them to be like, wait a second. We need to be finding more of these hyper charismatic people who are just, they, they steal the scene in every, every time that they're on our screens. We used to have that all the time. Like, and they exist. we had the Sue Hawks, we had the Richard Hatches, we had the Kathy Vavrick O'Briens, we had the Jerry Manthes, we had the Eliza Orleans with the Scout Cloudleys, we had the, you know, we, we there was always multiple per season. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally not joking. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm saying, I'm saying uh, stop because it's making me like nostalgic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that, like, that was just such a key ingredient for Survivor was finding these people and like seeking them out. And I don't know where they would go to find them, but they would always find them. And it was, oh, it's a mix. It's an important like recipe of making a season where you can't have too many of them. You need your colleagues. But you need some. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for me on this conversation and why Jam Jam just doesn't quite work for me, and I can't, it's not a fully formed thought, but it's like, I think that like, I, I like we, I'm going to say we like the survivor community. It's like, we, we are like willing jam jam to be someone that we want him to be. Um, I, again, it's like, I, I, in my mind, it's like, I, I come back to the fact that like, I love those talking heads and everything, but so much of like that personality in those talking heads was like not really present in the game. I guess you got a few of them. You had those fun moments uh, last yeah, night. I kind of disagree on that. I kind of disagree. I think it was there. I know what you're saying, which is that I don't think, I don't think that the, like that level of TV charisma is matched between Carolyn and Jam That's Jam. That's what I think I'm getting. Um, but I think Jam Jam is uh, has that at a much higher level than a lot of the new era cast. Yeah, no, I would agree. And it's not against. It's not a big knock against every individual on the new era cast. It's it's a knock against those casts as a whole that they're missing. You need a cu- You need at least two per cast. Um, and I think what made Survivor 44 great is we did have two here. And like a perfect example is like, so you had, you had Carolyn who was like way up here and you had Jam Jam who was a little lower and you had Carson who was way lower, but just a different kind of player. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's what works. It's like this, it's this mix of types of not just personalities, but types of like literally charisma. Uh, and I think like you can't have too much and you certainly can't have too little, uh, and it's like a, a like a really fine balance, but they used to get that balance season after season after season after season, which is wild. And so, look very refreshing that we have it in here in forty four. It was much needed, and uh, I really hope we can do it again in forty five. You know, I'm, speaking of forty five, okay, go. No, I was just gonna yeah. say I'm really gonna have my ear 
to listening to Jam Jam's uh, like uh, uh, the interviews he's going to do after the fact because mm-hmm. I actually think a lot of my opinion on Jam Jam, which if you can't tell is kind of like unformed right now. Like I feel like I'm kind of like mid on him, but like I do like him, but I just, I don't, I'm, I'm not as excited as I wanted to be. And perhaps that's because I'm butthurt about Carolyn. I'm not sure, but I think that there's a world in which it's like, once I hear Jam Jam talk about his experience and his strategy and like get more of him from the postseason, that I think that that might close the loop on my feelings mm. on Jam Jam. I'm just left like uncertain, but I do think Not that numbers are everything, but I do think there's something to be said about the fact that Carolyn and Carson both have double the followers that Jam Jam has in the sense that I just think both of them made a bigger impact in like the fan base and in the cultural conversation. And again, that's not everything, but I think it's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is an aspect here also of like Carson is a very conventionally hot like white young guy. Yeah, he's a Sean Cody. Uh, like I like that. Answer. That is going to increase social media following. I think he has a lot more to offer. Clearly, uh, also like, not for nothing. That, that like, is a significant factor in his following. I think. Yes, I also think Jam Jam is not like just great at social media. Like if you, yeah, it's like it's he's not <laughs> as plugged in. I mean, not that Carolyn's great at social media, but like <laughs> Carolyn is very Carolyn on social media, so it kind of yeah, works. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you yeah, get I what mean, you're coming for. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I wanted to touch down uh, quickly is their Gabby Pascuzzi tweet. Um, she says, oh. "Quote: I think the most important thing casting can do is cast diverse." Kind, all capital, kind people. Such a fun and positive season when the people are just good people. I'm going to yes and this tweet. Um, Mm -hmm. Yes and... I think that like this worked for season 44 and we're all like, we seem to be generally like thumbs up. Yes, season 44. But I am not of the mindset where like, I'm all for casting unkind people to an extent. Um, Mm -hmm. This might be a divisive opinion maybe, but it's like, I love to hate Russell Hands. Like, that is pleasurable. Mm. We've talked about this at length, where, like, you can only have your heroes if you have villains. Villains are incredibly necessary. Do I want people on the show that are racist or transphobic or, like, spewing hate speech or, like, the Brandon Hanses of the world? No. I think we we don't need those on the show. Um, But I don't necessarily need kind people on this show, and I don't want that to be, like, the barometer of like what a good player is moving forward. I think that this was a great season for kindness. We absolutely saw that take shape in that final uh, deliberation at, with the, with the jury in the end there. But like that worked for this season. But I I just don't necessarily need like the mandate moving forward to be like we. This is a show that's like strictly about corralling sixteen kind people and putting the, or eighteen kind people and putting them on an island together. I don't think that that's gonna work moving forward. I think it worked in this specific scenario because of this cast. It's not Jeff Probst's best friend race. Mm -hmm. So, okay, well, speaking of Jeff Probst, I, look, I have to admit, I didn't do my job. I didn't watch the reunion. I haven't even seen the preview for 45. So, Evan, like, anything that I need to know about the reunion? Is it, do I need to watch it? No, you don't need to watch it. I didn't watch the preview for 45 either, by the way. But I will say that I had two alumni from 45 approach me yesterday. Um, I'll learn their names, I promise. Um, but that- People that, sorry, wait, wait, sorry, what are you saying? You two? met people who are on 45? Yeah. It's wrapped? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was still filming. 
Oh no, they were there, uh, and I was approached by two of them. So, um, wow. yeah, they're gonna so get was, in big trouble. Okay, uh, love that. Um, but <laughs> reunion-wise, no, there was and, nothing. And there. I believe, I believe that it was like I believe it was confirmed in the preview that Bruce is in fact on forty-five and isn't the only. And I understand he's the only returning player. I mean, yeah, that was confirmed before the preview. Let's be honest. I know. I'm just saying, like, it was confirmed by Survivor officially. Yeah. Um, uh, no, nothing was really covered at the reunion. I think that you know, we stay sort of feeling like the reunions are sort of ineffective in the moment and that it would be really be worthwhile to have some time pass and to have some introspection happen around the season. And I think that they just, there's a huge missed opportunity there. I also think it's just a shame that the entire cast doesn't get to be present in any way. It's like, mm-hmm. once you're voted off, you're kind of done. There's no Ponderosa. There's no reunion. You're just completely like wiped from the show. And it was funny because they mentioned, they were talking about Matt and, you know, when they revealed to Jamie about the idol and it's like, it'd be great to hear from Matt in that moment or to get an update on how he's doing. Um, but no, he's mm-hmm. not present because he's not there and we won't be hearing from mm-hmm. him. So very strange. Also, why is Matt not being asked back for 45? Literally. So strange. Uh, I mean, no disrespect to Bruce, but I don't think anyone's like clamoring for Bruce to come back to the show. Um, so- why not? If you're bringing back a day one met or like, you know, an episode one medevac, I mean, who was medevac on day one, you're bringing one back. I assume they're going to have three tribes. Bring back Pat from David versus Goliath. Bring back anybody else who was medevaced early uh, in a season. Make a theme of it, just like you did in Philippines. Like, I don't understand why they're sort of like not kind of like taking what's right there. Like, we've already done this before. If we're bringing back Bruce, why not bring back Pat? Like, David versus Goliath is such a beloved season. And that was such a shocking exit where he was taken out because of weather and a boat ride that was not even shown. It was like confusing, strange. It was like one of the most agonizing medevacs to ever watch the way that he was like screaming in pain. I don't um, remember who this person is or what you're talking about. So I will have to go back and re-watch, we'll re-watch episode one of David versus Goliath. I beg you. It's a really great episode. So uh, put it on the list. You know, we've got <laughs> he who must not be named, but um, it, it's a, like, it's a powerful medevac. Like that is one of the most memorable medevacs. I think, there is, uh, and and it's episode one. <laughs> Clearly not. Literally, for me. I'm, 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 I'm totally dead ass serious. No, I believe and, you. I, uh, I... Like, like, uh, bring back Pat. It's not not even that I'm like dying to see a player like Pat back. Like it was like a you right. know, like a southern <laughs> whatever. Um, but like it, it was a powerful medevac. So if we're, if we're doing this, why not like just make something of it? Let's have a party. Okay, well, enough about that, because I want to go back to the finale party that we spoke for uh, about uh, for 26 minutes at the beginning of this podcast. Is there any tea to share that hasn't already been shared, particularly around Josh and Reed? Do we see Josh and Reed coming on Drop Your Buffs as a, not as a couple, but like as as a pair? <laughs> I think we could make that happen. Josh was very confused because I asked him, I saw Reed across the room enter and it was while I was talking to Josh and I screamed and Josh had a hard <laughs> time understanding the iconography and like why I was so invested. And then I was like, oh, are you two going to speak? Like, are you guys amicable, blah, blah, blah. And there was just, again, like just some confusion as to my interests. And I think he'll also be confused when he sees the comments on the drop your buff Instagram post. Cause there's like, you know, we, it's like if the two of them can reunite, like it bodes well for Israel Palestine. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's, it's big. <laughs> so I would love to see it. Um, I don't think they're in uh-huh. touch necessarily, but I think it could be a good 
opportunity. The other tea that I have, I don't think is something that I can share, unfortunately. If I said it, would you bleep it or you think it's just not worth saying? I'm not going to bleep it. Okay. Too much work. (laughs) I'll say Um, this. Can I I say a tease? Why don't you bleep it? (laughs) Wait, Like bleep yourself. Like just not say the names? Yeah. So what I will say is that someone, an alumni messaged me about someone's <laughs> an asshole. Someone called someone an asshole. Wow. Oh, sorry. They called them a dick. Oh, a dick. A dick. I called them an asshole in response. Oh, my God. Yeah. Am I allowed to include this? Uh-huh. Like, literally, what happened? Well, I can't believe Chrissy called Reed a dick. I can't believe it. You called Chrissy and I. No, I'm no, I'm not slandering Chrissy's name. Okay, your queen. (laughs) This is (laughs) Um, okay. Wait, I do need to run, but wait, we need to talk emoji. Okay, okay, you got to run. I'm literally on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the emoji, it's like, why can't there just be a Carolyn emoji and it's just Carolyn? Literally, there's no like tattoo emoji. Okay, I have an idea. Okay, comment with your winner of Survivor season forty four. If you were casting your <gasps> is vote, is this not a little mean? Is it okay? Well, I don't know why somebody actually just won. Well, I don't know. Do whatever we want. It's I don't think that's mean. You're casting your vote. Yeah. It's not like okay. Yeah. We need less oh, kindness. But- Come on, enough of that. Um, <laughs> cast your vote. <laughs> for the final three on our comment section. This reminds me, actually, we just um, had a new review of the podcast. And I was like, quite sh- like sometimes you see something from like another person's perspective and you're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Um, and let, let me read it to you. It says, I don't know if like you put your friend, one of your friends up to this. It says title, not for nothing. Not for nothing. Evan adds the perfect spice to Sean's I'm the grown up pot pie. Totally not the same when he's gone. I probably would move on. Wait. <laughs> Do I, don't I have, have an I'm the wait, grown wait, wait, up? Like, wait, wait, wait. They would move on. So if you weren't on the podcast. If you weren't here. What? I feel like you're. Yeah. Oh, okay. I adamantly. No, not disagree. for nothing. Evan adds the perfect spice to Sean's I'm the grown up. Yeah, but if you just have the spice, you need a dish to add spice to. Well, I don't think it's like slandering me. It's actually just in support of you overall. Okay, well. Totally <laughs> not the same when he's gone. Well, sure, but isn't I that true of like any podcast when a co-host is out? No, truly. But I do think we are a dynamic duo. I just didn't know I had an I'm the grown-up thing going on, but now that I just said like, I oh, think you're more ca- of like, the... let's not cast votes for somebody who didn't win. Yeah, then, but yeah, you're more of like the, the, the conductor and I'm like the right. person that goes around <laughs> and, and stamps the ticket. Yeah, okay, love that. Um, All right, okay. it's been well, a pleasure. Season 44. It really has been. We will update our ranking soon. I think maybe we'll do... As, yes, and we will be beginning our Panama rewatch on Patreon. Okay, yeah. So excited to do that. Yeah, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review. Uh, follow us at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram and uh, cast your winner vote. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.